Welcome to The Untrue Show, episode 14. Hey, 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 I'm not Fat Albert, but I am back for another podcast. And I'm excited to be with you guys. It has been an eventful week. It is, let's see, um, I'm recording this right after seeing the Falcons lost to the Buffalo Bills today. Um, I did not watch the game. I only read the tweets as highlights. So, um, yeah. How do y'all have time to watch all these games all day on Sunday? I just, I feel like Twitter is my lifesaver because whenever I want to find out anything, I go there. Even sometimes before I go to Google, just to find out what's happening, what's going on, what did I miss, and to get caught up on life. Like, Twitter has all the sources. So, I did watch a couple clips from the game, or I did watch, follow the score from the game, but I was not able to watch the game this week. Um, In fact, I really haven't been into watching the games because all the protest stuff. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. And we are on to another month. It is October of 2017. So that means we only have three months left of 2017. I cannot believe it. This year has gone by so fast. I guess when you get older, you become an adult, all the years kind of run together. That's what I feel like is happening. Like, oh, last year is kind of like this year. It's kind of like next year. Um But for me in my life, I feel like this is a season of sowing and really working hard and um, and and planting all the seeds. In fact, I was preparing for fall um, maybe like three weeks ago. I started getting ready, mentally prepared and um, just just telling myself, okay, this is coming. Fall is always a tough season for me. Sorry, I'm opening an orange LaCroix. So that's what you hear. Currently drinking an orange LaCroix wearing pajamas talking to you guys but anyway fall is always a tough season for me personally um and I'm pouring orange LaCroix sorry about that (laughs) fall is always a tough season for me personally just because I like the sunshine even if I'm not out in the sun I like like seeing the sun I like being close to windows when I work and not having all those things when it gets gets to be cold outside and it gets to be dark is a struggle for me a little bit so just adjusting I took a sip of it I don't know if you guys have ever had orange LaCroix but it tastes like orange soda without all the gooky stuff so every time I drink it I think about Kel from Keenan and Kel where he's like who loves orange soda Kel loves orange soda is it true I do I do I do Ooh, yeah <laughs> I'm in a good mood today. Sorry. I, I mean, not sorry. Not sorry. Like Demi Lovato. Sorry, not sorry. But I hope it comes across. And I have an interesting subject I want to talk to you guys about today. I know by now most people have heard about the death of Hugh Hefner, who's the founder of Playboy, um, last week. And the reactions have been all over the place. Um, looking on Twitter and some people are talking about how iconic he is, how iconic the Playboy brand is, but then other people are talking about how totally creepy he was, uh, how he took advantage of women. I went and looked on Amazon and I saw that Holly Madison's book about her time in the mansion is actually the number one best-selling book by an actress or actor. Sorry, take another sip, but 
Yeah, so it's the number one best-selling book by actor, actress right now. Um, and I don't know if you've heard about her book, but I've only seen like snippets from it in articles talking about how she, you know, had a hard time at the mansion, how Hef was very critical of her, how she was very sad, how she kind of felt like a prisoner, all these things. Um, and I actually did read Kendra Wilkinson's version of of her time at the Playboy Mansion, which some parts of the stories were similar around, I guess, um, how would I, how would I phrase this? I guess intimate time with Hugh Hefner, those sides of the stories were similar, but Kendra's perspective, I mean, of course she's a different person was, was quite different from Holly's, but to be honest, I think that growing up, I knew what Playboy was, but more than I knew about the brand, I just knew about the bunny logo and I knew about Hugh Hefner. I remember seeing an episode of the Simpsons where Hugh Hefner was on it and Hugh Hefner was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I remember one episode where the whole family went to the mansion and that was kind of my first time like really seeing the brand, but I didn't really know exactly what it was until I got much older. And I think that for millennials or at least for for the millennials my age my first big introduction to the brand would have to be girls next door and I know around that time he wasn't as popular as he was maybe like the 60s and 70s so it was a really great time for Hugh Hefner to be introduced to a new generation and though girls next door was about the playboy mansion it was mostly about Holly, Bridget, and Kendra. I mean, to me, they were the best parts of the show. Um, he was on there sometimes, but it didn't really revolve around him. It kind of just revolved around the stuff that they did and their adventures in the house and the life that they led, which I thought was interesting for them to kind of like take the curtains off for us to see what goes on there. Um, and it seemed relatively normal, but I mean, it's a reality show. They can make it, make it seem like anything. So I just remember watching Girls Next Door all through college and really learning about the brand there. And then also E! True Hollywood Stories um, about uh, Hugh Hefner. And I remember some famous playmates. And even on Girls Next Door, they had like, I know his ex-girlfriend was on there, which is so interesting because he dates all these women, but they all seem to be friends. I remember his ex-girlfriend Barbie Benton was on Girls Next Door and they like, all went to her house in Aspen and her house was really interestingly made. And, uh, I remember Holly was nervous to meet her, just all those little things. And I mean, when you're in college, you just watch, at least I did like tons of reruns and they used to rerun girls next door all the time, um, on E. So that was one of my guilty pleasures, you know, while studying and on the weekends and stuff. But I think that at that time, or, you know, in the past, people viewed Playboy and the brand as as just something like cool, I guess, aspirational lifestyle in terms of how Hugh Hefner lived with the smoking jacket, with all the girlfriends, you know, him being an older man. And, you know, he I remember he was a big supporter of Viagra um, and all that stuff. But a lot of women on Twitter were talking about how he was taking advantage of women and how some of the things he believed in were only to benefit or further his own agenda around like having all these women around and being able to sleep with all the women around throwing the parties and living the lifestyle. Um, I, I really can't speak to that part of things because I feel like I've only seen the glitzy side of stuff, but 
I I think that they always position being in the magazine, at least they did on Girls Next Door, as like some kind of liberating experience that opens up doors and opportunities for you. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of really famous playmates in history, like what, Pamela Anderson is probably the most famous, and then there's Jenny McCarthy, and um, yeah, I think those are the two probably biggest I can think of, but... Oh, Kelly Monica, who won Dance with the Stars, and she's on the soap opera. And Renee Tennyson, I think she was the first, one of the first African-American playmates. But there's, you know, I guess her name is not as famous as the other two. But anyway, I think that it was synonymous with that maybe in the 90s when, when those two came out, specifically Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy. They, and, oh yeah, and Carmen Electra, they became really big stars, you know, at the same time, they they were play play Playboy playmates or like around the same time, and I I don't know. I guess I would say that the the famous Playboy playmates um, are small in number in comparison to all the women who pose in Playboy. Because I guess there's like a playmate every month, but think about how many we can probably name offhand. I really can only name like three I don't remember every single one but I mean Pamela Anderson is pretty big time famous and Jenny McCarthy is you know fairly famous especially in the 90s where she was on what's the dating show yeah she's on the dating show on MTV she had her own show on MTV and then she was on The View and now she has her radio show. So she did a lot. And, you know, Pamela Anderson was on Baywatch and, you know, just a cultural icon. But I I remember reading Malcolm X, which was by Alex Haley, and, and reading articles that said that Alex Haley wrote in Playboy, which I thought was really cool um, to see. And I, I have read some of the articles that they had in the magazine when they had the smoking gun out. I don't know if you guys remember that, but they started a version of Playboy based off of web analytics and stats that showed people would be looking at, people browse the web at work. So they wanted you to be able to look at Playboy articles while you were at work, but not on like playboy.com. Because if you have a job, you don't want your employer to know you're looking at playboy.com. So they started this website called the smoking jacket. And I specifically remember this website because I remember when I worked in PR, I was showing it to my boss at the time. And I was like, this is, this is, um, something, you know, they built based off web analytics. They saw that their target market wanted it and they created it just to engage with their audience. And this website is like the equivalent of Maxim to an extent. I'd say it's, it's like a PG version of Maxim. My boss was a guy and he was like, I don't know how, how, you know, work friendly this website is. So that was an interesting conversation. It does not exist anymore, but, um, or in that same state. And now I think it's folded into Playboy website. So you can't look at it at work, but the articles on it were similar to what you'd see in the magazine. We, I know people say they don't read the articles, but literally the articles on there were like almost like a blog, um, more culturally driven, less of the photos from the magazine and just really straight up like a culture website, which I actually enjoyed because I didn't want to look at the pictures like that. And I think that, 
you know, for those of us who did genuinely like reading the articles, it was a great resource to go to. And um, they shut it down. But I guess it was them trying something new, trying to get to a different audience, and it just didn't stick. So they didn't continue it. But anyway, back to the sentiment around the Playboy brand. I think that because of where we're living in 2017 and because of the access that people have to the type of images that are in the magazine because of the internet, it's a different time and the brand is not what it used to be. Like, I don't think that people are getting in the magazine and becoming these big, huge superstars because they pose to be a Playboy Playmate. Like, it's just not the same as what it was in the 1990s when Pamela Anderson and Jenny McCarthy kind of blew up. And maybe their stories were like two out of, you know, thousands of people that get into the magazine. I think it's just a different time. Um, A lot of people who do the type of modeling that they do are doing it on Instagram. So it's hard to justify being in a magazine. Um, And then it's a magazine. You know, people aren't really reading magazines like that like they used to and also just the 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 climate that we're in in 2017 around uh, women's rights and women stepping up and being a little bit more vocal and feminism that the brand of Hugh Hefner is not looked at as cool it's looked at as more controversial and I say that for someone like me being young and impressionable, you just see like, oh, it's like a rich older man with a lot of women who has a mansion. Because again, when I first was introduced to him, I'm introduced to him on The Simpsons. I'm introduced to him through Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and through those mediums. The way that they present themselves to me are like, this is a friendly, decent guy who just has a mansion with women. And as I got older and learned more about it, and even now kind of seeing some of the things that went down there, it's like, ah, it wasn't quite as squeaky clean as I thought it was. And I I don't know, I guess maybe I have to ask myself, why did I think it was squeaky clean? But again, I learned about Hugh Hefner through The Simpsons and through Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, two trusted sources of information when you're, you know, a kid. So Girls Next Door even kind of had like a sugary vibe to it where it was very vanilla, even though what they were doing was what you might consider adult content. So it's just interesting to look at things through 2017 lens as an adult that I I saw so differently as a kid. Um, and for instance, I just realized, okay, not just realized, but this past Friday, all of the TGIF lineup was put on Hulu. So that's like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um, Full House, Family Matters, Boy Meets World. And uh, I'll start with Boy Meets World. I just saw a clip online of when Topanga refused to stand to pledge allegiance to the flag. And... It's so timely that I saw that. And in fact, the person brought it up because of everything that's going on with the NFL protests. So they were like, remember that time Topanga refused to stand for the national anthem? I was like, I don't remember that. And I watched the clip and Topanga's like arguing her right to not stand. And Corey's like, no, you're an American. You need to stand. And I was like, this is so timely for everything that's going on around the protests, which is not even about the flag, but they're just refusing to stand for other reasons. So it just kind of applied to that. But 
anyway, you she doesn't have to stand. That that's what I believe. So seeing that clip, I was like, oh, I do remember Topanga. And looking back on it, I had a discussion with my coworker on Friday, and we were talking about how um, Topanga was was about just about things. Like she was about rights, and she was just very opinionated for a kid. Um, a, a young kid like she had these thoughts and ways and in fact my coworker called her the white Freddie Brooks and I'm not sure if you guys know who Freddie Brooks is but she's from a different world and she was just very much about animal rights people rights uh, all kinds of free thinking thoughts very you know different than or almost counterculture and unique and the type of person who's unapologetically themselves regardless of what you think or how you might judge them. So that's what he meant when he said she's the white Freddie book. She's unapologetically herself without fear of judgment from other people. Like literally she says that all the time on the show, like you should like you for you. It doesn't matter how your hair looks. It doesn't matter how, you know, what you're wearing. She said, it just matters how much you like yourself. So, um, on from boy meets world, I started watching, Family Matters and I was a huge Family Matters fan as a kid um and I'm like oh you know I'm ready to take it back Steve Urkel is my favorite and as I watch the show now it's like Steve Urkel was kind of creepy because he kept coming after this girl who basically told him like I'm not feeling you like that I don't want to date you but every episode it's like he forgets to grow and I mean maybe I'm expecting too much again this is a tv show but it's like he's very persistent to the point where it's, it could be considered harassment. Um, and she's very, I guess, fed up with it to the point where she's kind of mean to him. Like some of the stuff she says, I'm like, wow, you, that, that's real foul. But I guess she's like, he just doesn't get the point. And in fact, in one of the episodes I was watching, he has a girlfriend and tells the girlfriend, well, if Laura ever wants to be with me, I'm going to break up with you and I'm going to immediately go be with Laura. And the girlfriend is okay with this. This is Myra Monkhouse, his girlfriend. Um, and it's just like, really? Really? You going to tell your girlfriend if the other girl that you're in love with or interested in decides she wants to be with you, you going to dump her? Wow. So, but anyway, so on to, on to the next thing. Laura loves Steve when he is Stefan Arkell so that means he has to physically alter who he is and his whole vibe about himself to be someone else in order to be loved by this woman that he's in love with which you and I both know or you should know like you should never have to change yourself that drastically to be with someone like that's not how love works like they should love you for who you are and in subsequent episodes, I think I made it through maybe up to season six and he changes to Stefan Arkell, who's like his cool alter ego and his cool alter ego is cool. It's like, you know, it's a cool fly guy that everybody likes. He's very smooth. He's very good looking. He wears really nice suits. He stands up straight all in contrast to everything Steve is, which Steve is very nerdy. He's very aggravating. People don't really like him like that, but he's highly, highly intelligent. And he is unapologetically himself, like black boy joy, I call it. That's what we call it in 2017. Like he has black boy joy about himself. He's positive, he's spirited, and he loves himself. But as Stefan Arkell, he does not love himself. And he misses his intelligence. Though he likes the cool side, though he likes that Laura loves him, 
he realizes like I can't change who I am just for you to love me and I don't love me and I'm like this is like the best episode but of course you don't catch all that stuff when you're a kid like all I could see was like oh Stefan Arkell oh look at Laura's outfit so it's interesting to see things through a different lens as as we mature and as we get wiser as as we age because now I'm like dang Steve was really into her and I think she was so angry about him being so into her because she was really into him too and I know spoiler alert for those of you who haven't haven't watched the whole series because Family Matters was nine years. So that's nine years of life. (laughs) And when it started coming on, or not even when it started coming on, but I am the age of little Richie, which is, you know, the little small cousin who had a little, I want to say, I don't know what you call that haircut. It might have been like a mullet haircut. And he's the little kid that's um, Aunt Rachel's son. So I'm his age throughout this whole series. So I've watched a lot of it in reruns because at the time it was coming on, I was too young to really get into it. So I saw most of it in reruns. But in throughout the whole nine seasons, at the end of the nine seasons, uh, spoiler alert, but Steve and Laura are together and the last episode ends in a cliffhanger. I do remember that. But I, I don't really know how they got together. So as I watch, like rewatch it, I'll see that part. But I really think low key, like Laura was into him the whole time and upset with herself for not liking a guy more cool. But, you know, high school, that's all you really worry about. Like who's cool, who's not cool, who has the best gear, who's most popular, all that stuff matters. But I guess as they got out of high school, some of that stuff faded away and she realized like this guy is down for me and I'm down for him and I want to be with him forever. So yeah, looking at stuff through a different lens, right? Maybe, have you guys heard of that song um, by PM Dawn? It's called Looking Through Patient Eyes. Do our eyes get more patient as we get older? Because I feel more patient, but yeah. Maybe this in this case, it's just being more wise because in looking at, the full scope of what Playboy was, I could see how some of those things are problematic, despite the fact that Hugh Hefner, you know, was, you know, pretty ambitious around equal rights and and civil rights uh, and pursuing that in his magazine. There's still some ugly sides to, to the brand that weren't so visible to everybody. And as I read these articles, it's, it's, it's it's awkward to me when people die and how all these articles about all the dirt that they did start coming up like I read an article about his former butler and that was weird and then it kind of also makes me wonder did they sign documents that and the documents just expire after the person dies is that how this works like did they sign like NDAs and then the NDAs magically dissolve once the person dies because this happened well, it didn't happen as much so after Prince died, but a couple people came forward. However, their stories were not neg- so ne- as negative if you, as Hugh Hefner's, but you also have to think Hugh Hefner was a lot older, so I'm pretty sure he wasn't getting non-completes, like NDAs, not non-completes, but he wasn't getting NDAs signed in the 70s and 60s. Like These people are still roaming out there and can say whatever they want about him, but as you notice, or I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've noticed his current wife, who's now a widow, has said nothing. She shut down her social media pages, which honestly, I don't blame her because there's been all these articles that have just popped up about her, how, about her inheritance, about, you know, her shutting down the social media sites and all that stuff. And I would probably not want all that attention right now. I mean, 
I don't know the nature of their full relationship, but they were still married. So this is a, a period of mourning and shutting down your social media sites, I think is a good form of self-protection, protect and guard yourself from all the negativity out there and all of the people, you know, who are saying whatever and tagging you and whatever, like you can just be fully removed from it. So I don't blame her. Um, but I guess me and saying that is that the people closest to him more recently probably have signed documents where they can't say anything negative about him um, going forward. But I think the butler that I was reading about, I don't know when, how far back that was, but you know, you never know what he signed when it expired, if he signed anything at all. So people are coming forward with these stories and it's just, it, it's, it's weird. It's just awkward. It's like, Ooh, maybe he wasn't as great of a guy as I thought or um I guess what I what I can say about it is he did a good job of making his brand seem more fluffy and more family friendly than it really was I'd say because you don't look at it and think oh it's naked ladies um which could essentially be classified as pornography you look at it as like oh they're they're freeing themselves and you just don't, I don't know. I just, I think it was painted as one thing. And in reality, it's something totally different, which that's good marketing. That's good branding, right? You, You pretend that it's, that it's something that maybe it really isn't and people buy it and they accept it. And trust me, people have definitely bought into the Playboy brand. And a lot of people buy into the Playboy lifestyle and think that, like I said, I watched Girl ne- Girls Next Door for years and didn't think anything of the brand. Like, didn't think of it in a negative light. Thought, oh, you know, it's Hugh Hefner and it's Girls Next Door and thought, didn't think twice about it. But now I'm like, oh, hmm. I could see how this would be controversial. I could see how this would be problematic. Um, just looking at it through a more adult, mature lens, I'm like, how was I, how was I thinking this was okay? And maybe part of me didn't think it was okay, but I just thought it's just part of our culture. And that's what made me look the other way or look, think, not think twice about engaging in it. I feel like I'm having a revolution as I talk through this podcast, (laughs) which is definitely a good thing. Anyway, (laughs) I um have been enjoying coming back to you guys and I can't wait for the, the you know more shows to continue. Yeah. This was a good this was a good topic to kind of talk through and um I guess what do you guys think about the Playboy brand? How, like what's your sentiment around it? I think that it's it's controversial and it 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 changed it's changed societal norms and now it's just it's not as valuable as it used to be. It's just a different, we live in a different time than we did when it first got started. So it's not as valuable uh, as it used to be. And I think that it's more controversial because of all the other, all the, all the other things um, around, around women's rights and women's treatment that didn't come to light. And they're coming to light more through, you know, books and through other media, it's, it's, it wasn't everything we thought it was. I'll put it that way. But anyway, thanks for listening. And if you'd like to connect with me on social media, I am at 
the great Dana J on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook too. So check, check in with me there. And I can't wait to talk more with you guys over the next couple weeks. So keep listening to the Unshrew show and I will be back very soon. Bye.